from 1011 Now and the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the End Report Podcast. Welcome on into the End Report Podcast. It is Wednesday, February 23rd. I can't believe it. We are five days away from spring football, Kevin. But before we get to football, today we're going to do a preview of the, the hot topic. Get this. The quarterback controversy, the quarterback race. We'll get to that in just a, in just a few minutes. Uh, we got to talk women's hoops. Associate head coach Chuck Love uh, on paid leave right now. And starter and three-point specialist Ashley Scoggins off the team. Kevin, what do you know? Take us back to the beginning. When did this all start to break? Well, at 10-11, we, we were informed of some potential movement on the staff and on the roster of the Nebraska women's basketball team on Friday. So uh, we reached out to some people who have knowledge from within the program on Friday. We withheld any, uh, you know, broadcasting any information and going with any report uh, because we didn't feel confident in it at the time. However, um, there were some legs to the things that we were hearing because they were lining up in terms of uh, various stories. And, And of course, in the age of social media, you have to be very careful about what you report because it's so quick for somebody to push something out there that isn't completely true. Uh, And we're not gonna get into too many details as to what we've heard because again, we don't know with 100% certainty uh, of what the true story is. But then Saturday morning, the university announced that Chuck Love had been suspended with paid uh, while receiving payment. And then it was mid to late afternoon that we had learned actually Scoggin had been dismissed from the team, removed from the roster. We reached out to the university. Um, We offered an opportunity for them to comment for our story before we put it on the news. And then shortly thereafter, she was then removed from the official roster at the University of Nebraska. We put the story uh, online on uh, late Saturday afternoon, then aired it obviously during our six and 10 o'clock Uh, newscasts again not detailing exactly everything that we have heard because we don't know 100% certain what exactly happened. And the rumor mill can run rampant on social media and message boards. I'm going to cut you off real quick Bill because I think it's important to state that Amy Williams was asked whether the two releases and the two uh, movements in terms of Chuck Love's suspension and then Ashley Scoggins's dismissal if they are related and she would not comment on that. Do you have confidence in saying they are at least tied together? Perhaps. Okay. The and that's, and that's about the extent of what we can report. Yeah, and, and the timing of everything would indicate that uh, there was a situation in which both of them were involved. I don't feel confident enough to say that that is 100% true. However, um, based on some of the things that we have learned and from some of the people that we have talked to, and we've tried to be very diligent, Bill, about who we are communicating with to get information regarding this. And then, of course, we're also going to reach out to the professionals and the people that are the gatekeepers within the women's basketball program who do the PR. And we are making sure we're getting their official announcement. So it's, it's an interesting uh, story to approach from a journalistic standpoint because you have the social media words, which are very little in substance. Then you also have some of our sources 
who you have to be careful what exactly is being told to you and then what the PR officials at the university are all saying. And then that's where we try to piece it all together. All the women did this weekend was respond by blowing out Minnesota. Do you think, do you think this can be, I don't know if I want to say like a rallying cry for the team, but do you think this can bring the team even closer together yeah, during this stretch run? Maybe, Bill. What's interesting here is this women's basketball season, they have 20 wins right now. They've beaten a pair of top 10 opponents. And the whole time, up until Saturday, everything was so positive. I mean, there wasn't anything of shame or of skepticism from the public eye with this team and the season in which they are having. Well, now the conversation has changed a little bit, but the team has taken action. So perhaps there is forgiveness in that. And in a way, you almost want to give Amy Williams the benefit of the doubt because it's not like they tried to hide a situation or withhold uh, any information that they feel should be getting out into the public eye. So I, I think that there, since there was swift action and the team responded in the way in which they did with a very nice win against Minnesota, and this is the first time the Huskers have swept the Golden Gophers during the regular season in quite some time. It gets them to 20 wins, and they're in the final week of the regular season. So right around the corner is the Big Ten tournament, and that's when the true test is really going to come. Full it, disclosure, they play Wisconsin tonight. We are recording this before that game. Um, they are favored against Wisconsin. Uh, and then they have a big, big uh, home finale Sunday against, is it Northwestern? Northwestern at home, which is senior night, but there's not a se official senior on the right. roster. Well, technically, every single player could come back if they wanted to. That is correct. Then you look at some of the players that have been in the program for a while, and Sam Hybe certainly comes to mind. But if you look at the official roster, she is a junior. So I'm curious to see what they do for a senior celebration. Maybe they don't have one at all, and they hope that every one of the players comes back for next season. And the way that this year has gone, perhaps that is an option. I think Sam may have a professional future in women's basketball. I'm not saying it's the WNBA, but perhaps it is overseas somewhere. She certainly has the talent. Or just judging by her poise and confidence at the podium, a future in coaching. Yeah, she is, she is as sharp as they come. Um, but right now, you know, th this is where it, it gets interesting because removing Ashley Scoggin from the roster eliminates the Huskers' best three-point shooter. And so how will opponents attack Nebraska knowing that one of their deep threats is going to not be there anymore. However, Allison Widener deserves some praise. In the two starts in which she has had in Scoggins' place, the Humphrey St. Francis grad has been nothing short of sensational. 23 points uh, over the weekend. And she is running the point on this team with so much calmness. Uh, you can tell her basketball IQ is very, very high, well beyond her age. She is a freshman, mind you. Uh, and the team seems to be very comfortable with Allison bringing the ball up the court and facilitating the offense. And I can't believe we're about <clears throat> six minutes into women's basketball conversation and we have not mentioned the now seven-time freshman Big Ten Player of the Week in Alexis Markowski. You know, throughout all these weekly awards, Bill, I mean, it's making our Monday sportscasts fairly simple. We run a story on Alexis Markowski. We run a story on Bryce McGowan's. Rinse and repeat. We've been doing this all winter. 
They each uh, have seven. Yeah, it, it's been incredible, and it's been fun to follow. And the conversation has pretty much shifted over the past three or four weeks to they're going to win the Big Ten Freshman of the Year awards. With Alexis, it's now positioning into she may win the National Player of the Freshman of the Year award. Excuse me. Statistically, nobody's averaging more points and more rebounds as a freshman 10. in the country. Yeah, and she she didn't start the season in the starting lineup, Bill. That's what's crazy. Yeah, we got to keep in mind the first few games she she really didn't play that much. She was coming off the bench, but then Bella Cravens was sidelined for a bit. That's where Alexis got the start. Remember her first start. She was outstanding. And they was kept, Michigan? Uh, I think it might have been Michigan. And I know, like, you mentioned that they're playing Wisconsin tonight. That was one of her big games. It was Australia night at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And, yes, the Aussies did a nice job for the Huskers. But I remember Alexis had 15 points, and they just kept giving her the ball. And I think that's where this team has maybe changed a little bit going from November to December. They realized how Alexis was not a liability, but she is a weapon. And they've continued to orchestrate their offense around this young freshman who is playing just some really good basketball. Now they're seeing the same thing from their other freshman, Allison Widener, who has been really consistent all year. Uh, let's not forget the first two to three weeks of the women's college basketball season, Allison Widener led the country in assist to turnover ratio. Uh, you mentioned Bryce McGowan's. Oh, one last note on women's hoops. I believe right now they are, in the ESPN Bracketology, they are a seven seed. So a chance to improve on that with two, two games left and the conference tournament. Uh, but that's where they're at right now, which is, which is a pretty safe place. They're in. For anybody that's wondering about the NCAA tournament, they are, I would say, safely in. They could lose their last three, and I still think they get a bid. Um, but right now they are in that seven, eight, nine seed line, seed range. It could definitely improve if they make a run in Indianapolis, which is next week, the Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament. And um, I think Nebraska's at a six seed for the Big Ten Tournament. So that tells you how strong the conference is. If you're a six seed in the conference tournament and a potential seven seed in the NCAA tournament, but here's where it gets good for Nebraska. They, the resume looks very appealing because you have the win over Indiana, you have the win over Michigan on there, and so that, that's going to certainly help their seed. And if they can get another big one uh, in Indianapolis, you could see them possibly move above the seven to perhaps a six. I, w I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, you really want to try to stay out of that eight-nine range because if, you, if you're in the eight-nine game and you win, now you're taking on a number one seed on their home court. So let's go to men's hoops now. Uh, the one positive, Bryce McGowan's Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Uh, but now this is a team that does not have 20 wins. It has 20 losses. Uh, forgive me for, for who was the first person to put this statistic out. I do not know. Um, but it was all over social media last night is that this is now the first time in Nebraska men's basketball history with three straight 20 loss seasons. That's tough to hear, isn't it? Because, they, you know, Nebraska, of course, is not uh, – it's far from a basketball blue blood. There have been some down years, but to know that they haven't come in succession like they are right now, and those three years are the only three years under Fred Hoiberg. And I know that so many people have been reflective over the past couple of weeks of how did Nebraska basketball get here? 
because when Fred was hired, myself included, you know, I'm even an, an owner of a t-shirt that says the mayor, printed off by Triple B, because when he was hired, it was how did Nebraska get a coach with the acumen, with the resume, and with the IQ of Fred Hoiberg. It was such a slam dunk hire, even from a national perspective. It didn't make sense for a lot of people that follow college basketball that Fred would take a job like Nebraska's. So somehow it went from it's, it is on the right trajectory and things are going to go up quickly. Folks were talking about top 25 NCAA tournaments. And right now, I mean, they, they were talking about that three months ago. You know, the, we'll learn a lot more about the men's program and the future of the men's program here over the next two to three weeks. And really, I think it, it comes down to not wins and losses, but I think it comes down to a number. And that number is $18.5 million, which is the buyout. You wanted to go there, huh? I don't want to talk about you know whether they should or should not, but, I mean, that is that has to be one of the main factors on Trev Alberts' mind right now. I mean, if Fred Hoiberg's buyout was $2 million and he had three straight 20-loss sure. seasons, I think the conversation is quite a bit different. The buyout is $18.5 million. Hoiberg has, you know, in press conferences, repeatedly, I think, doubled down on his desire to be here and fix this and belief in his way of getting it done. Uh, but Alberts has a decision to make. What does the conversation sound like when Trev Alberts sits down with Fred Hoiberg? I truly wonder that. Obviously, Trev would need Fred to make... Um, an argument, lay out a, bl a blueprint for how it can get better immediately. This isn't long-term anymore. This is what's going to happen to get better in year four if he gets year four. And I'm very curious what Fred's, well, you know, what, what's, what's the chip that he's pushing, pushing in right now? Is it Bryce McGowan's saying that, well, if Bryce comes back, we, we have a chance? Because if Bryce comes back, you presume that Trey would return next year? Well, let's not forget, they, as of right now, they do have a top 20 recruiting class coming in for next year. But, Bill, they had a top 25 right, recruiting I, class last year, and this is what the result is. Well, and they're going to have a first-round draft pick. So that's where I wonder what that, you know, so if he, if that was the conversation last year, Fred saying, well, I have these recruits coming in, brighter days are ahead. Well, it's almost like that excuse was, I don't want to say excuse, that's the wrong word, pardon me. That's the claim that was used last year, and... What's their record now? Seven and twenty, something of that nature. So it's almost like you can't say that again because there are no guarantees that the claim equals a positive result because it didn't happen this year. It's a fascinating study. It's just I don't know that anyone, anyone that follows Nebraska basketball saw this season coming, and I will go on of the. It, it's not even a limb of saying no one saw this coming in year three with Fred Hoiberg. They saw March Madness. No, they saw Big 99% of Husker Nation three years ago when this hire was made was ecstatic and all in on the belief that, I mean, by year three at the most, Nebraska might be dancing. But we do know of Trev Alberts that loyalty means something to him. He said as much when... He made the decision to retain Scott Frost. Yeah, was, for, you, you asked what Trev, what that conversation is going to look like. I think Trev Alberts has the blueprint. He had that conversation two months ago. You think so? 
I mean, it's a little bit different, but you can pull some of the same threads. Yeah. Maybe that is going to be the same play with men's basketball, that perhaps there needs to be a staff restructuring um, and some changes made. There has to be some sort of change made, Bill. I will, right? I, I have no idea which way this is going. Neither do if I. If I had to guess, if I had to guess what's going to happen, I would imagine something pretty similar to what happened with football. I just don't know if you can convince the university to pay $18.5 million or convince a booster to pay that much money. All the while, you're raising all of this money for this expansion facility. Um, I think you. I think there's coaching staff changes, but my best guess is is I think Fred Hoiberg comes back, but you know, who knows what will happen in the next And not to get years. lost in the shuffle of the $18.5 million buyout for Fred Hoiberg, you posed the question of, like, where – what are the things that are staring Trev Alberts in the face? And, and if we put all the cards on the table, the football f- training facility, which, you know, they say is financially on track right now. However, I believe there is a bit of a shortfall. And figuring out football because there was such a massive shift with the football coaching staff and then the additions on the transfer portal. So if, and you want to make changes to the stadium? So if there is like a giant whiteboard in Trev Albert's office, like all these items are written out somewhere, right? It's like, where does Fred Hoiberg and the men's basketball program fit in? Could Trev, keep in mind, he's in year one as Nebraska's athletic director. Does he just say, we're going to tackle all of these at one time? Or does he compartmentalize and say, because I mean, some businesses would do that. You're going to take on task one and task two. And then we'll worry about task three once we get through task one and two. Uh, I think you've you can made, follow what you've I'm made saying. promises for this training facility to be open by fall of 2023. That's 18 months from now. I think that's I think that's your number one priority. I would totally agree with that because that's been a recruiting pitch, not only for the class that just signed, but for next year's class and the classes down the line. And if you don't have a complete, you're full of baloney and you don't. You don't want to do that. You don't, so that I agree with you, Bill. That's got to be at the top of the list because you want to follow through on a promise that was made to not just a couple of players, but a mass of players and coming from all across the United States. Well, that's a pretty good segue to move into football. Uh, spring football starts February 28th. That is Monday. Today we just got the rundown of what Monday will look like. Uh, we're going to be able to talk to... Seems like pretty much every co- every coach, along with five to eight players, it's going to stretch over the course of three or four hours at Memorial Stadium. Uh, I know for 10-11 sports, it'll be all hands on deck on Monday. Yeah, that's also the first day of the high school state basketball tournament. So, which is both boys. Oh no, I take that back. No, that's it's a I, week I, after. It's a it, there is district basketball champ. But it's it's two to three days before the women's Big Ten tournament. Correct. So let's get back. Sorry, I took us on a quick detour because I'm feeling overwhelmed okay. with what We're March back. looks like. It's a lot but of this forks is, in this room. This is the last day of uh, February, but that is the first day of practice. We will not be able to observe practice the first week, which is not. Well, we should note nowhere in that email did it mention observing practice at all, if I'm not mistaken. We Correct. could learn more in the coming days, but. Do you, do you think there's a chance that there are zero cameras allowed until the spring game? Absolutely. Absolutely. If there is Not one, even to watch them stretch? 
<laughs> if there's one day to let, a, let us in, how many folks are going to be there? Anybody that has a credential, right? Yeah. It is because there are going to be, and, and that's where Including I would say. Including Pat Fitzgerald, maybe? Right. <laughs> uh, th that's where I believe that there may be an opportunity to let people come in. Because you know from newspaper, from some of the websites that follow Nebraska football, television stations, radio stations, we're all in desire of, I'm not going to say demand, or we, we are not requiring it, but it would certainly help our product if we had our own video or a photo of Mickey Joseph in a Nebraska shirt. Well, and Nebraska does have a very large marketing department, and they know there is a lot of hype around spring ball, but when you get everybody in practice, even if it's for 20 to 30 minutes, everybody talks about it for days on end and you create that hype even more. Yeah, well, you see what's happening with some of these winter conditioning videos, right? Just yesterday, there was snow on the ground and it was like a 35 second video. Somebody was doing barrel rolls. Yeah, they're doing snow <laughs> angels out there and no hoodies, Nobody by the has way. A, no hoodies, not even a shirt. Nobody nope. has a shirt on. They were rolling around in the snow bare chested. Uh, but that's, you know, that was February uh, winter conditioning for the Nebraska football team. They'll actually put the pads on and start to get after it here um, in about a week. All right, let's talk about our quarterback preview right now. Um, really, the two, there's two, two new names and two old names. We'll start with the new names. We've talked about them quite a bit, but it's Casey Thompson, the transfer from Texas, and Chubba Purdy, the transfer from Florida State. Obviously, everybody thinks Casey Thompson is your number one guy right now. He does have that thumb injury. How much does he how much does he play in spring? Do we have any idea on how that injury is doing? Bill, they're learning a new offense. Yes, he plays in spring. Absolutely. I, I would be shocked if Casey Thompson did not participate in spring football. So on Monday, February twenty eighth, Casey Thompson is takes the first snap in the scrimmage with the ones. I don't know if we we're going to go that far. I think he's going to participate. I, I think he might be one of the players that come up, comes up and uh, meets with reporters because he's such a high profile. You know, this isn't a guy transferring in from Old Dominion. This is a guy that led the Big 12 in passing touchdowns. And, of course, everybody that follows Nebraska football knows he is now in Lincoln. And I think the same could hold true for Chubba Purdy. I think it's interesting, too, because uh, – you know, the court of public opinion says that Casey Thompson is going to be the starting quarterback for Nebraska next year. However, there have been multiple times in which the university and the football program have promoted Chubba Purdy. He's had a video where he's sitting down and talking about his decision to transfer to Nebraska. He's appeared in some of these strength and conditioning uh, videos that the Huskers have pushed out here over the past few weeks. So, you know, let's go. Like, and let's not up. forget, Mark Whipple loves him some Chubba Purdy. Recruited Chubba Purdy to Pittsburgh when he was in high school. Recruited Chubba Purdy to Pittsburgh when he was in the transfer portal. And then recruited Chubba Purdy to Nebraska when Mark Whipple took the job at Nebraska. You know, now that recruited you, him three different times. Right. Kevin. And now that you bring up Mark Whipple, it takes me back to your question of, is there a chance in which cameras do not get into spring football practice at all over the next few months? And, and the answer there is yes, because with a complete change of system, who knows what they're working on? Maybe they don't want anything out. But still, there's an opportunity for photographers and reporters to come in and see nothing. Trust me, I, you know, for 15 years, that's basically <laughs> what's happened when you go to practice. You see nothing. They let us in, and you often see the quarterbacks throw a few passes, which is nothing out of the ordinary. Here, here's, a, here's a question. You've been through uh, the Inasolich, Callahan, Pellini, Riley, 
Frost, the most access you've ever had video-wise? Bill Callahan. Okay. Callahan would let us stay up to 30 minutes, sometimes up to 45 minutes. And, you know, it's not like we saw anything, but some of those contact drills where it's just working on blocking or, uh, you know, form tackle drills, like, we got to see that. We didn't learn anything. It, but you at least got to also see Also pretty much predates social media, so that video is not out there for the world to see that's, within five minutes. That's a really good point. And there have been a few instances under Frost. I think of the, don't call it the Oklahoma drill, Nebraska, they called it the Nebraska right, drill or right. the Husker drill, whatever it was. Remember that video because that was great. It was one-on-one -on -one blocking and then one-on-one -on -one ball carrier and defender. The other one I love that, they've released, that their own team released is the, ty the tire pull. Yes. It's just mano-a-mano. Let's see who wins. That's old school right it there. It is. But, to, yeah, I would say Bill Callahan, most access. Frost is kind of right in the middle. And then, of course, least access with no surprises. Mr. Polini. Mr. Polini. I still remember there was something that happened right before fall camp. And, you know, usually fall camp is, you know, it's a circled and highlighted day on the sports calendar, you know, for, for fans, but especially for us because that's – the first opportunity to see some of these newcomers on campus in their Nebraska pads and, and jerseys, and you try to get some file footage so we can run some stories and show our viewers, hey, this is what, you know, player so-and-so looks like, and, you know, maybe a few drills in there, too. Not that we see a lot, but you at least see them. But Bo, on, like, the day before the start of fall camp, he wasn't happy with the report. It might have been the Taylor Martinez report. Um, about what happened on that night at Texas A&M. But it was an instant, no one's coming. And I remember we still did a live report outside Memorial Stadium just to say fall camp had started, yet we had no video of that day. We had very little to say. Just a lot of Kevin suits on but camera. we got to say. That's what the people They want. started, <laughs> far from it. But we were able to say they started practice. They're coming off a nine-win season. And this is the number of starters they have <sighs> Those 9-1 seasons were nice. No. <laughs> Bull trips were fun, too. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the other two quarterbacks here. Uh, we have, of course, uh, the man who, who started the last game of the season against Iowa, did a pretty nice job. Logan Smothers, he finished 2021, 23 of 33, 317 yards, one pick, uh, and two rushing touchdowns. And then really... For me, this is the guy I am most interested to see outside of Casey Thompson. I think that's kind of that's kind of a given. Um, I'm really interested to see Heinrich Harburg, the redshirt freshman from Kearney Catholic. They really liked him last spring. Didn't see the field, which is understandable, you know, for somebody that young going into Big Ten play from Class C1 football. Uh, but I'm really interested to see what he's learned, maybe how he looks differently than he did a year ago. Um, and what Heinrich Harburg brings to the table. Well, the challenge is what he learned last season, last spring, may not apply at all to this spring. That's a good point. So it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be challenging for Heinrich. But you've watched him for four-plus four years. He can, he can sling the rock. And he can say. run it, too. That's the other thing is he's, he's an athletic 6'3 and can move pretty well. That's the one thing about all of these guys, Bill, the four that we just mentioned. Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harvard, they all run well. I'm not going to say that they are going to be Adrian Martinez run as frequently as he did, but there, there is mobility there, and there's an option to stretch the playbook a little bit. And I think that as much as we're talking about the quarterbacks right now, Bill, 
One of the most important things about the spring football season for Nebraska will be for the coaches to then learn about the players and modify their system. I'm sure they go into February 28th with an idea of what they want to run. But as you practice it, you might say, well, that's not going to work. Well, we can change it this way because we know this quarterback can do this. So as much as it's going to be a learning process for the players, it's going to be just as much of a learning process for the coaches to modify, change, and adapt whatever necessary to fit the skill set of the players. Who are you most interested to see out of that four? Out of those four, you're just going quarterbacks, Casey Thompson, easily. Okay, out of Purdy, Smothers, and Harburg. Casey Thompson. I know you just, I, I just want to like physically, I want to see like how big he is compared to the offensive line, how big he is compared to his fellow quarterbacks, you know. What, 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 did the, what does the swagger feel like? What's the vibe you get from him commanding the huddle and being with the offense? Um, because he is the presumed favorite for the job. So my eyes are, are going to be solely but on Kevin, number the 11. the most interesting position on a football team is the backup quarterback. I, well, maybe he is the backup quarterback. We don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. Should we talk some baseball? We should probably talk some baseball. Um, not exactly the start Nebraska wanted. One and three to open the season against Sam Houston State down in uh, Huntsville, Texas. If you're looking for a little bit of bright news, Sam Houston just beat number three Oklahoma State last night. Sam Houston's going to be right. They might be pretty darn good. Yeah. They, and, and, you know, baseball's different. You can't just go, oh, power five. Like, there are group of five teams, non-power five teams that are Cal State really Fullerton's good. of the world. Fullerton, Stony Brook. Uh, Dallas Baptist, there are so many programs that are not traditional powers in other sports that are really good baseball schools. Um, but, you know, Sam Houston put a lot of pressure on Nebraska. I was most surprised that the pitching staff struggled in the way in which they did. And especially Kyle Perry and Shea Shanneman. They struggled throwing strikes, which is a bit surprising because one of the things that Will Bolt had praised his pitching staff for before the season opener was their efficiency in pounding the strike zone. Uh, Perry from the jump, really, uh, his control was off. He was able to work out of a jam in the first inning, the second inning, it caught up to him and it got sideways. We did see some- 50 plus pitches and he didn't even make it out of the second. Right, we did see some resiliency out of this team. I think about Sunday's series finale where Nebraska got down 6-0, able to get to 6-3. So we, we saw, a spirit about the team, despite the record, that is favorable for the weeks to come. And this week, Bill, it, it's not like they're going to go play, you know, Lincoln no, Southeast High School. They're playing top 20 Texas Christian University. Right. And they're back on the road. So uh, this is going to be a grind. And it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a long season. But I think Will Bolt knows that, you know, you can't ease into this baseball season just because the schedule the Huskers play. Let's look at some of the highlights. Uh, if you're watching us, you can see this on your screen. Nebraska hit 271, 21 runs. Sam Houston, 291 with 28 runs. Nebraska's ERA was close to six, 581, 31 strikeouts, 17 walks. Again, you, you talked about having, having trouble fighting the strike zone really across that pitching staff. Uh, Sam Houston, a lower 424 ERA, 43 Ks. 10 walks, so that's, you know, what, 33% more strikes and 50% fewer walks than Nebraska had. 
Yeah, I'm curious if Nebraska will make changes within the pitching rotation for this weekend's series at Texas Christian. you got to give it at least two weeks. Well, I'm, I'm saying I, you don't mess with Kyle Perry. You don't switch up Shea Shanneman. Right. Those are your two reliable arms. But what do you do on the backside of the rotation? Now, granted, this is a three-game series, not a four. So, you know, what are you going to do in that third game? Braxton Bragg was um, in the starting rotation, as was Dawson McCarville. So... Let's see, let's see what happens. Maybe Will's going to be patient, just roll um, one, two, three with McCarville being the third against TCU. Maybe not. Maybe they decide to slide up somebody else and give them an opportunity to start a game. Talk about a couple bright spots. Luke Jessen was 7 for 11 with a 13.03 OPS. And uh, pitcher Colby Gomez uh, actually went 6 for 14 with three doubles against TCU. And he got a save. Colby Gomez's first time on the mound in more than a few years, uh, and he came in and got some outs, and I think I get, he got rid of some of the demons that maybe still haunt him from uh, the regional in Oklahoma State. But hitting 400-plus, I mean, that's a little <laughs> bit of a surprise. Absolutely. He got the start on opening day at first base. We knew that was a possibility, but we didn't know that he was going to bring the pop to the lineup uh, that he ended up doing. What do you hope to learn over the next five days? Baseball-wise? Baseball, basketball, football, anything. One or two things you want to learn over the next five days. Women's basketball. I want to see, can they continue to compartmentalize some of the noise around the program? Can they uh, continue to get good production out of Allison Widener and not see a drop-off with their on-court? Because this is the team that has the greatest potential in the immediate future to really get fans on the wagon and run with them. You know what I mean? So um, that's I'm curious to see what Nebraska women's basketball looks like at Wisconsin tonight and then Sunday at home. Can you get those two wins, be 22-7 and seven going into the Big Ten tournament? That would set up nicely. And, you know, winning cures all, right? Can they continue to stack some wins together, uh, smooth over some of the um, strange feelings maybe surrounding the program, and then position itself to – to have a good postseason. I agree. I think that's what I'm most excited about. It'll be interesting to see what they can do against Wisconsin on Wednesday, Northwestern on Sunday. Uh, I'm planning to take the kids. That's a 3.30 uh, tip. That's after nap time. So that's yeah. perfect between nap and dinner. Uh, and PBA is going to be loud. You're going to see five, six, seven, eight thousand people inside there. It's going to be their last time playing in front of the home fans. And the crowds have been uh, sensational with women's basketball here this season. So you can expect that there should be a really good crowd there. And uh, they may get treated to a really nice game and a game that the Huskers will be favored. He is Kevin Suits. I'm Bill Shamrock. We'll be back next week. After we hear from the coaches, hear from a couple players, it's going to be a football-dominated podcast next week. Spring football, just five days away. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.